Is this thing even on? Hey there, listeners, and welcome to Just Here. Today, we have on Braden House, owner of Big House Show Cattle, professional cattle judge, and sixth generation cattle rancher. Hi, Braden. How are you? Uh, you know... No pun intended, but I'm just here. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm really glad to be here, and I appreciate you bringing me on, and I'm doing really well so far today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for you to come on today. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, we have been friends for, I want to say, like five years now, roughly. Yeah. Um, Ever since your pages got popular. Oh, yes, um, which is kind of funny because we were in, like, the same realm of people for a while. Um because my mentor in the cattle world was also like a friend of yours. And so it was kind of funny because we showed, you're only a year older than me. So we showed in like the same kind of time period there, but I never really met Class you. That's 2014, anything. baby. <laughs> and, um, but we never really met until, like you said, I like started my groups or whatever. And Definitely. that kind of kicked off and we got in touch through those. Um, I have personally purchased cattle from you. So. I'm a testament to, I guess, your business practices and stuff. You're a great person to do business with, but that's kind of how we, I guess, got to know for anyone that needs, like, a background on that. Um, but obviously, our listeners, not everyone knows who you are. So would you like to take this time to kind of tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from, what you do? Yeah, so uh, we're from, I say we, it's kind of a family deal as any show cattle or cattle outfit would be. We're from Iola. Uh, which is between kind of College Station, Madisonville, Huntsville, maybe right in the middle of those three. And we primarily raise and sell purebred Charlet, uh, geared more towards the show heifer side of the industry than anything else. Um, I trade quite a few steers, sell a few bulls, kind of wherever we can get in on the cattle deal that gets us involved with kids and selling show projects. We We kind of specialize in that, but like Harley said, I'm sixth generation cattleman, um, but first to do show cattle and registered cattle uh, kind of in tandem together. So can you tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in Iola as a child? Yeah, um, I didn't necessarily spend my entire childhood in Iola. My parents divorced when I was really young and I ended up going, as far as school goes, um, to six different schools before the fifth grade, and, and then went from fifth grade on to Iola. But as far as the town and being in Iola, to me, there's no better place to be for the business that we're in. We're very central, located between Transova, Bovani Lee. We have some of the best vets in the state, uh, kind of within traveling distance. Of course, A&M is here, so we, you know, as far as help and labor and things like that go, growing up there was really awesome uh, for the time that I did spend, and having this business where it is um i think we're in a really ideal situation and kind of a homer for my local community but really big fan of being in iowa okay so did that have an impact on you getting into the cattle business definitely uh, whenever i was a young kid we had dexters um growing up they were just kind of pets but also kind of serious you know they were mine and my brother's responsibility and he's since grown up and he's very successful in a different sector of ag but our kind of foundation for ag started there with those little Dexters, and um, which is a miniature breed, if anyone's not familiar with that. But 
it gave us the foundation of kind of what we've built into today. Two separate, complete ends of the industry, um, but it definitely started having those cattle, and I don't think that would have been a possibility had we grown up in town or anything like that. So living in like a rural kind of small town, um, did that, is that kind of what helped steer you towards like the FFA program that in high school? Yeah, um, kind of in a way. I love sports, tried to play sports. If you don't know me, I'm way too round and way too short to have gone very far in sports. And that gear, that had as much to do with it as anything. Uh, a kid trying to find success in something. And I guess the the main thing, more so than where we were, but kind of how that came about was I had an ag teacher my freshman year. We were at national convention. So, you know, you got a kid, one shirtless, one's got himself locked in the closet, and the rest of us are all doing what freshmen do on this trip. And that ag teacher, he came in, and uh, his name was Mr. Chenier. He, he said, you guys got a contest in two weeks. We had no idea what any of this was. And I had made up my mind, you know, I'm going to be the creed speaker. And he, he, like, looked at me, and he said, uh, you're not going to be the creed speaker. You don't have the voice for that. Like, point blank, honest as could be. And I said, well, this, this sucks. And he gave me and a couple of the other boys in there uh, some books, and he said, you're going to do quiz contest. And um, he said, if you memorize these books, you will win. And I didn't know any better. So I memorized those books and I won and pretty much never got beat in that, in that particular contest. But to answer your question of kind of what got me started in the ag deal, it's just as much that as anything, as far as learning how to be competitive and learning how to win. Of course, that was with FFA. And then I, I was rather involved in FFA throughout my high school career, but if there was one moment that started it, it was him coming in that room while we're jumping around, acting like fools, being freshmen at National Convention. He said, you, you guys need to do this, and he believed that we could be successful at it, and that was actually the moment where it really started for me. So that moment is what gave you your competitive streak. Definitely, yeah, because if you're built like me, you're not going to get that competitive streak <laughs> playing sports. I, I mean, that's God's honest truth. Uh, and it was through that contest, the quiz bowl contest for FFA, because in that, the the difference between that one and any other contest is there's no judge or anything like that involved. You are the deciding factor if you want to win and how much you want to win. And um, I wanted to win real bad. And it's still that way to this day. So with that being said, did you show cattle as well in FFA or was that something you weren't into at that time? I did. I started showing late, um, just kind of my situation growing up, you know, with custody deals passed around, showing wasn't necessarily a big priority. Um, but once I got in high school, things kind of steadied out on that front and I showed regularly, but not necessarily competitively. We did, we truly did the best we could, the best that we knew how. Uh, with cattle that more often than not came out of our pasture. Um, so we're talking about American show steers geared for the county fair. And uh, no one has ever heard of me from showing. I will, I will say that. We weren't very competitive, but you learn a lot. You learn a lot of grit uh, when you have that happening. And you kind of go to learn the love of the game and then let the winning come afterwards instead of the opposite. And looking back at it, I'm more proud that I showed and never won anything because there would be no drive in me now um, that I get up and do every day had I experienced as much success as a lot of our mining or both contemporaries did while they showed. Okay, so you finish out your FFA career in high school. You graduate high school. What do you do from there? 
Well, uh, so like my, I guess me, sophomore year, junior year, I took a pre-SAT and did very well on it. I mean, like academics was never really much of a struggle for me. And I did it because my stepmom had asked me to, my dad asked me to. And then when we got the results, I told them that's the last one of them that I'm taking. Now, as in pre or real test, SAT or ACT, it was not for me. And I said, uh, I want to take the money that I've got saved up for school and I want to buy a cow with it. And I believed then and I believe now, even though it's insane to think about, that I could make it, if I got the right cow in the right situation, I could skip college um, and kind of in essence for lack of a better comparison, go straight into the league from that point of learning how to do this with my money, my neck out on the line, and that's what happened. I found me a catalog, and um, it was the M6 Bells and Whistles sale. There's a very famous bull sold in that sale, and it's, it was named after him. Well, he's a great bull, but the one that changed me was uh, lot number 226, way down at the back of the catalog. Um, I had been shown this heifer, and she was really short-necked, and it was a big deal that she never won. Well, this cow was long-necked, and I, I didn't know, I didn't judge in high school or anything like that that we'll get to later, but I knew she had a long neck. It didn't take a genius to figure that out, and I said, I'm buying that cow, and that's kind of what happened. I bought her. We, her name's Mammy. We still call her that. Um, she's 14, and we still have her, and that one animal, uh, from the time I decided to buy her, maybe halfway through high school, until this day has done more for me than anyone could ever ask or expect out of an animal to do. I hope that answers your question as far as uh, yeah. what geared me into that was, it was her entirely. I do have a question on that though. So what do you think, since you didn't have a lot of judging experience and hadn't really been in the realm long enough to really know what you're looking for, do you think it was just a fluke deal that you happened to get the cow that kind of was the catalyst for your operation to be that successful? Well, that's a really good question. And um, I didn't have any formal livestock judging training or anything And I was like not trying that. to be offensive no, to your No, you're exactly your right. Um, and I guess I don't have an exact answer for that because I feel like if I was looking at it third person, I would say, wow, you know, that, that kid just got really lucky by finding that random cow and making that work. Um, but I don't, you know how competitive this stuff is. I don't know that it's entirely luck in any given situation. Um, I was around cattle from the get-go, and I did learn things that really matter. You know, their feet, their udders, having some muscle, just the basics of cattle, and was able to apply that even if it wasn't a really polished, like, reasons room set of descriptions on mm -hmm. why I thought she would work. But I knew then I felt like I could see them. Nobody really believed that at the time. And then now we're, you know, 10 years later and I can see them um, even, you know, without the training or anything like that. And I think it starts from riding around in the bed of a truck as a kid, you know, and picking out which ones need to go to the sale barn because their udders are bad or their feet are bad. And if you ever see me judge a show, it doesn't take very long to figure out that those traits are universally acceptable. And that's really where it kind of started for me with that cow. And it's been bred on now for generations and it's something that I apply in our herd and on the microphone whenever I get an opportunity to judge a show. So when you saw her in this catalog, did you buy her out of the catalog or did you take the time to go look at her in person? No, I uh, had me 
Actually, I didn't have a driver's license. My dad, I didn't get a driver's license until I was 18. I was 17 when I bought her. My dad drove me all the way up there. Uh, it was in Alvarado. It was a live auction. And, um, of course, I bought her and was so happy. And then I figured out afterwards that I left my checkbook at home after I just kind of got, uh, <laughs> you know, everything that I wanted to do in order. And, yeah, I had no checkbook. And my dad ended up writing the check and I had to pay him for it. So, technically, I guess I bought her from my dad. But we did it in a live auction. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, and Mamie is a purebred Charlotte, correct? She is, yeah. So what, was that also just a coincidence that she happened to be a purebred Charlotte, or was that intentional? Uh, it was definitely intentional, um, because to me, having no, no bias or reason to go from one breed to another, I I thought of it like this. So you have four different options anytime you breed a cow. You know, you either breed her purebred or you breed her crossbred. And then your resulting calf is either a bull or a heifer. So you have four options. And Charlotte is the only breed where when, when we leave here from recording this podcast, we're going to drive by and we're going to see either Charlotte, Brahmin, Hereford, or Angus bulls. Okay. So you can sell a bull that's a purebred Charlotte. Uh, a Charlotte steer, steer, so a crossbred son, He's going to win your county fair. He's going to win my county fair. He's going to win at least four majors in Texas this year. Um, the composite heifer is liable to win a major, and the purebred heifer is liable to win a major. There's no other breed that even is close uh, to having the title to say that no matter which of the four avenues you go with the calf, there's immediate avenue for success. And that was why I wanted a Charlotte, because there's endless opportunities on how to mate them. I could pivot today and raise show steers or composite heifers, I can pivot another direction and raise herd bulls. And, and that's, to me, what separates that breed. That's why I wanted to get started with them. If you had to raise another breed besides Charlet, what would it be? Uh, it would be probably Beef Masters, um, just because I feel like they're, they're reasonably close. You see some Beef Master females winning some American divisions at shows. I think a half-blood Beef Master steer gets along. Um, and then, of course, the composite beef master heifers, their E6 or advancers, they're competitive. And, and there's a reasonable outlet to sell beef master bulls. I don't know that, that there's the quantity of them walking, and you limit yourself to kind of just Texas and the southern U.S., but I do love that breed a lot. I mean, they're docile cattle. They, they do the things that I love in terms of fertility, longevity, and disposition. Or if I had to, If I had to get a second one, it would be a beef master, no doubt. Do you cross them a lot? Um, I have a fair amount of Beefmaster influence recip cows. Um, well, I'll say my heifer that I bought from you is half Beefmaster yeah, and half Charlie. So yep. they uh, that was you know cleanup deal. I kind of inherited that one's mother through kind of some trades and stuff, and bred her to the Charlay bull. He's actually a composite Charlay bull to get that um, resulting calf as a I guess she's an advanced or Beefmaster, but mm -hmm. yeah. It's it's never really intentional, but when it happens, it does seem to work pretty well. Okay. So, going back to Mamie, you get Mamie, you have, you know, your start for your herd. What happens next? Uh, next is the long-awaiting trial of coming up with the funds and the time to see the project from point A to point B. So, when you do the cattle thing, anyone that's been around them knows... It's about 18 months from the time you get a conception to a check in the mail. And I took that opportunity to, what I explained to everyone is go to college. Um, and no one is more proud of their alumni than I am. 
I went to BCR Ventures University. Um, I majored in wash rack studies and minored in watching Brian learn how to clip. And um, those experiences that I gained there taught me obviously how to wash, how to clip, and the things that you don't just teach yourself. You had to watch someone do that. Um, but more than anything, he loaded me up on an airplane and took me to Canada. We drove to Billings. We drove to Georgia, and we did all these things where I could see what success looked like and what progress looked like from a breeding program that was way farther along than mine and kind of get an idea of where I would like to be at someday in terms of having the prestige and the cachet that they have in particular. It was really neat, and I really, looking back at it, try to, if I can, help kids in a similar way because the opportunities that Brian and his wife and family gave me, I could never replace them. So to answer your question of what I did with that downtime in the middle, I tell everyone that I went to college at, at BCR. Okay, so at what point during your career as a cattleman did you get into judging professionally? Um, I would have told you probably six years ago that I would never judge a show because I've, as far as the academic qualifications, I have none. Um, but I got asked to do one by uh, Linda Randall there in Waller. She has a show series and I did it and I, I feel like it went really well and I guess it did. I've been judging quite a few shows ever since, um, by no means as the most of anyone out there, but I do a fair amount and, um, I feel like whenever I judge those shows, it's just a little different as far as the terminology that you're going to get. Uh, the rationale and reasons why the industry is very subjective anyways, but then you bring in someone who never spent time in a reasons room. I don't know how to give you a set of reasons. I just tell you as if we're riding around on a Polaris together and we're talking about cows, that's exactly what you get. And so there's a little difference of emphasis on traits too. Um, I'll, I'll bury one if they got bad feet or bad udder because at my house that will never work. And so I try to you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. It's transparent, and and it's been a really neat opportunity. And I've met so many people, primarily kids, um, who have since become customers or become friends because I met them at a show judging, and uh, you know, it's all the small talk that comes with that and the opportunity to connect with those people. So it's fair to say that you have a different outlook coming into the ring to judge one than your typical professional Definitely. judge. Yeah, no doubt, and not that not that one way is right or wrong, but it's definitely right. two different approaches of maybe finding what usually ends up being the same animal in the end. You know, admittedly, I, you know, we usually agree on them, but it's definitely a different approach. Right. Because most professional judges judged on a collegiate level at some point. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. Or they coach a team. Yeah. Or coach a team. So, so your first time you said you were asked by Linda from that first time that you judged, where are you now? How has that evolved? into you judging because you judge quite frequently now yeah yeah and um it's getting to be a little bit bigger and bigger shows uh, the number one thing where i've kind of reeled it in is there's always been a filter i mean as far as technical bad words I, that's never been a problem but um the abrasiveness of describing animal you don't have to be quite as honest with that 10 year old um as you would with his parents, if you were talking about cattle and stuff and you're, you're describing a child's project, uh, no matter how good or how bad it is, it belongs to a kid. And so I guess as far as, um, 
nobody's perfect. And I definitely was imperfect in that regard. When I started judging, I, I would kind of let it rip a little bit because it, it's entertaining. You know, it's, it's, and it's something that I'm very passionate about, but reeling that in, realizing that it's still a kid's project and making sure to find a positive trait in every animal is probably the biggest place where I've evolved as someone that evaluates cattle. Okay, so with that being said, where would you like to go? Do you have any future goals for yourself in your judging profession? Uh, Judging-wise, no. No. I I have no no future goals, future aspirations, um, because I never had any to begin with. I feel like this is a free ride and an amazing opportunity anytime I get uh, to do that or get a call to work with kids and stuff. So I have no ladders to climb. I just am glad to have the opportunity to do it. And whenever we peter out, you know, it, it might be jackpot shows or county fair level shows. I'll be completely content with that. I'm not saying that I have no desire to judge a big one, but I'll, that's the last priority on my list. I have so many other things that I'd rather accomplish before I, for example, judged at Denver or something like that. Okay. And so hearing your story and your background and where you came from, what advice would you give to other kids out there that are still in their, you know, high school FFA career or maybe even younger that do have a passion and a drive and want to get on the same level that you are now? What advice would you give to them? Um, Aside from the obvious one of stay in school, I would tell them uh, my favorite quote is hang around the hoop. It's a basketball quote, but it, that applies to no, anything that you want to be successful in. If you quit or you walk away from the hoop, you will never get the ball. And you can, in, in this context, you can be the shortest person on the court or the most unqualified person. If you wait around there long enough, eventually those other guys will go home or they'll, they'll trip up and you will get the ball. And you have to be ready when that opportunity comes to pivot and, and essentially score. I think hang around the hoop is the best advice I could give someone. And, and you can twist that and mold it into literally anything that you feel like being successful. And, you know, your day job's kind of the same way. Or anyone that has a passion, you cannot give up on it. Because if you do, somebody's going to get your lucky break. Well, Braden, thank you so much for coming on today. I had so much fun talking to you. And I really, really appreciate your time. Well, I, I appreciate you likewise taking the time and uh to interview myself as well as another one that's coming up next. And uh, if you get bored, we're going to have an online sale coming up. We're having our, I guess we have two sales a year online. This one's going to be on steerbitter.com and uh, we're going to sell some cattle. So whether it be the cattle audience that listens to this on October 11th or non-cattle that are just interested in learning about it and seeing what goes on. Um, I We've raised those cattle, Nicole and I, my girlfriend and, and my little brother Carson, kind of as a team. Nicole, my girlfriend, does all the pictures and videos. Um, we kind of do all the halter breaking and stuff ourselves. And then, of course, we own the genetics of those cattle. So it's a neat way to kind of just encapsulate what, like I said before, was a high school kid that decided one day he wanted to raise Charlotte. We, we're having the opportunity to showcase that and put it out there for the public to see. So that's a big deal that we got coming up. And maybe this will help promote both of us at the same time, I guess. Yes, and for all of our listeners uh, that are into cattle and show cattle and you are looking to add to your show barn, uh, we will have the link to that sale in the video description. So please check for that below. Uh, And we really appreciate all of you listening and we hope to see you next time. Thank you.